Hello and welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast Episode 300, A Look Back. If you're looking for a typical podcast, whatever typical is for this podcast, the way I've been doing it for the past several number of years, several numbers of years, <laughs> I typically have a guest. No guest today. I'm doing this show like we used to do it in back in 2005. Lots of people do it this way too. Like we would just turn on a microphone, start talking into it. You might be walking down the street. You might be just rambling on about your laundry. That's what's happening today. I'm going to talk about the history of the show. I have some recordings from people who've been listening to the show for a long time, a couple of guests. It's going to be a pretty cool show, but I want to say it very clearly. I am giving myself permission to just do this show. So I'm trying to actually practice not worrying about anything. So if you, I'm asking you to right now, if that sounds like a terrible idea, just take a break from listening this week. <laughs> Listen next week. I'm going to go back to the old routine. Um, but I want to practice letting this be what it is and also let me be who I am. So somewhere along the way, I started, you know, I wanted to make the podcast a little more polished. And in the process, I feel like I removed myself from it in certain ways. So I'm going to practice not doing that. Turn it off if that sounds gross to you. <laughs> because I'm going to assume you're turning it off now. Turn it off. Did you turn it off? All right. So if you're still here, no apologies. I'm just doing the show. I want to start off with this. In 2005, of episode 17, I had a polished uh, intro for the show made by Adam Raymer at Madtown Aces. Uh, the show was called Mikey Pod on the Bayou back then. I was in Houston still back in 2005. I did this in 2005. All right, here's how the show used to start. Welcome to the Mikey Pod on the Bayou show. Yeehaw! That's not what this show's about. It ain't. No. Here, watch this. Welcome to Mikey Pod on the Bayou. Texas, it's not just for cow-tipping rednecks. Oh, wasn't that nice? <laughs> Didn't you like hearing that? That was really fun. That was episode 17. Almost every episode is still up at MikeyPod.com. So if you want to go back and listen to any of these, feel free. Um, I might like link them in the show notes, but it's unlikely because I want to get this thing done today. But that was episode 17. Um, not all of them will show up in directories. I have it limited to just a certain number because I didn't used to be so good about copyright law. So I've been pulling some down and I've been keeping them limited from going into directories because it's not really cool. Um, most of the time I did, but every now and then I'll be looking at old episodes and be like, what, who did I think I was? I didn't get in any trouble for playing any of these songs, but, um, I probably shouldn't have. So mikeypot.com. And if there's an episode you want to hear that's missing, if you feel like going and listening to all, just let me know. I can send them to you. I have all of them saved except for one. There's one lost episode. Um, and I can't remember the guy's name. The band was called the break and repair method and the the guy used to be in some other band, Maroon 5. No. So one of the, a band with a number in it. <laughs> you know, that one band with a number in it. So, hey, welcome to Mikey Pod, episode 300. I'm super glad that you're listening to this. You know, um, and it, it's been a trip. Like, uh, So, okay, let me backtrack. Uh, no, I've made it pretty clear that today's episode is going to be different. Um, but yeah, so I want to, I'm going to be talking about the history of the podcast. Some audio from listeners and guests had, were sent to me. I just had the idea a couple of days ago, like, Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Here's how we can do this show. One of the things that I really want to talk about and like be an ongoing theme about this is doing this podcast gave me the momentum to make changes in my life. I didn't think I, I don't think I would have done otherwise. Like I started doing it back, well, back in 2005, um, I was on LiveJournal. I don't know how many people know about LiveJournal. It's a website. It was the first blogging website, if I'm not mistaken. And it was before it was called blogging. It was just like a journal. It's a website where you could just write your journal entries. And at the time, people that I knew in the real world were like, you just write all of your life business up on the internet? It seemed like the strangest, craziest thing, which seems even crazier and more ludicrous now considering the fact that everyone the majority of people put all of their business on the internet on facebook and twitter and instagram like more than i ever did 
um, and I, and, but I, I knew Richard Bluestein through LiveJournal, who is also known as Madge Weinstein, who does Yeast Radio, uh, the first podcast I had heard of. Um, and it, that's how I learned about podcasting. And Madge really encouraged me, like, you should do one too. Um, there aren't a lot of gay podcasters, and you should just do it. So I finally just did it. And the first episode was um, at Miller Theater, Miller Outdoor Theater, on the 4th of July, 2005, uh, with my friend Brandon. I think my friend Aaron shows up. Uh, Brandon, was he my roommate? Yeah, he was my roommate at the time. And I just walked around. We walked around. <laughs> I had a handheld recorder that I borrowed from my friend Jim Johnson, an actor in Houston. Um and I just recorded and then figured out how to upload it as a podcast. And the rest is history. But I guess the thing that's really interesting about that for me, I always have been sort of nervous about putting, um, putting myself out there in ways like that, that I always wanted to, but it just didn't feel like I could, like that was, didn't feel like something I could do. But podcasting, like, was the first sort of attempt I made at that. And as we'll talk about today, the various different things that happened in my life happened because I was doing podcasting. So that's what I talked about. I have a little outline here that I'm going by. So in the process of getting the idea to do this, or, or my idea to do this show, this show, 300, MikeyPod 300, a look back, was to incorporate some clips, some sound clips from people who have listened to the show for a long time, or people who have been guests, or really anyone who was willing to hurry and do a little sound clip for me in just a matter of hours. So this first one is from John. I'm not sure if John wants his last name to be said, but John has been listening to this podcast pretty much from the beginning, if not from the beginning. And we met over coffee one day in, in uh, Houston. It was what he, he was one of those people that I was like, oh my God, I'm, I knew I was putting this podcast on the internet, but suddenly I heard from someone who was listening to it and like had things to say. Uh, it was a pretty cool moment. And he and I got together and met at a coffee shop. One of the things after I remember about John is that when I lived in Koinonia, which is a commune that I went and spent, um, I think, four or five months at on my way to New York City, I needed a camera because I was taking pictures at the, at the uh, commune with my phone. It was a Palm Trio, if I recall correctly, and they looked like shit. And I was really frustrated because I wanted to like document with pictures what I was doing and what it, you know, because it felt like a pretty interesting thing to be podcasting from a commune. Um, and John sent me his camera. He sent me his old camera. And I was really like, what? People do that? So anyway, here's what John had to say. Hey, Michael. It's John in Houston. And wow, 300 podcasts. That's pretty amazing. I remember when I first found Mikey Pod on the Bayou. This would have been like 2004, 2005. I was new in Houston, podcasts were new, and I was looking for local podcasts. And you were one of this whole gang of people doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I just really enjoyed hearing from someone in Houston about what they were doing. Um, and I remember finally meeting you at Cafe Brazil one afternoon. I like listening still because it's been cool to watch you go through all kinds of changes and all the stuff you're doing in New York. And it reminds me of those days when podcasts were sort of not a big corporate thing, but there was all kinds of wild and random and, you know, not always slick, although you've gotten a lot slicker over the years. Um, all that stuff going on. Cool that you're still doing it. Congratulations on hitting 300. Oh, John, thanks for that. Thanks for sending that in. And um, it's been so cool to be connected over the years just through this podcast. And obviously, you and I communicate in other ways. Um, but yay. So life in Houston for that first year or so of the podcast. Um, it was my first like time to start dabbling in activism. And I covered the fight to save the life of Frances Newton, who was a, um, a woman who was on death row in Texas, um, it was a weird thing. Like, and talking about it just feels so messed up because I'm talking about my experience of having done that, which is minimal compared to the experience of being executed. But someone was 
executed. Like, I don't know how to describe that time and that realization. I interviewed her mom. I went to a lot of protests. Um, and ultimately, she was executed. Um, in spite of the fact that there was some evidence that had been suppressed from her, all of her uh, case, um, they never, they never did anything. So I don't know what to say about that. It was pretty devastating. And one of the first moments that I was like, why do I live in Texas? There's, there's more to say about all of that. Um, and one of the things that emerged from there, and I only did one episode, was that the um, National Coalition to Abolish the Death Penalty, I think, reached out to me about helping them start a podcast. And I did just one, and I haven't even checked. Um, I went to their uh, their uh, conference in Texas, and I did one episode for them, which I don't even know. I don't think it still exists anywhere anymore. Um but that was interesting to do, and it made me start realizing, like, oh, this podcasting is something interesting. So there. I, talking about that Francis Newton story is so strange, because what do you say that compares to that, right? All right. So now I'm going to transition <laughs> awkwardly to also covering music. And music is a huge part of my life, and I was finding in the artists to who would allow me to play their music on the podcast. Cause I wanted that to be a part of what I did too. Um, and one of the bands that I discovered was a Houston band called the black math experiment. And I fell in love with the track they had called you cannot kill David Arquette, which I should have researched a little bit more, but I think there's a documentary about David Arquette that now has that name. And I believe this song is in the show. Don't quote me on any of that, but I still, they were the first band I interviewed and they came to my apartment and we just sat on the couch. I had one mic, uh, I think it was a Shure SM58 that I interviewed them with and we just passed it all around the room. It's a really great interview, as I recall. I should go back and listen to it. It's a little tricky for me to go back and listen to some of this stuff because uh, I used to say some kind of not great things and it's the type of thing that happens um, as we start learning more about being respectful to other types of people. I mean, I don't feel like I said anything totally all over the top, but I think I was trying really hard to be like edgy in a way that makes me really uncomfortable now. That puts it perfectly into words. So I haven't listened to that episode, um, but I've listened to some of the surrounding episodes and every now and then I just say things I'm like, oh, you're trying too hard. <laughs> so it's a little difficult to listen to, but it's also nostalgic. There are a couple episodes that I have unpublished because of some things I used to say that I don't think are so great to have out in the world anymore. <clears throat> so anyway, Black Math Experiment, we interviewed them. I interviewed them. They came to my apartment. It was really fun. It felt really cool. I went to one of their shows and they like shouted me out and the podcast, which made me feel even cooler. It was a really cool thing. So let's listen to that track. This is called You Cannot Kill David Arquette by the Black Math Experiment.
having a friend's threesome. He has done things to Courtney Cox that would make Santa blush. If you play the Beatles' Why Album backwards, it goes, David lives, David lives. He has written, directed, and starred in his own one-man version of the movie Tron. He is responsible for everything. Fire. Arquette. The wheel. Arquette. Electric toothbrush. Arquette. He is the reason Jason Newstead left Metallica. Three rings from the Elven Kings under the sky. Seven from the Dwarf Lords and their halls of stone. Nine for mortal men due to die. And one for David Arquette. The Bible spelled backwards does not change the fact that you cannot kill David Arquette. You cannot kill David Arquette. You cannot kill David Arquette. You That takes me back. I'm so happy to listen to that song again. I must have played it 10 to 20 times on the podcast. I love that song so much, um, and I'm super happy to share it with you today. How many of you have been listening since then? Anyone? I mean, I know there are a couple, um, but, you know, I'd be interesting to know. Is, are there any lurkers in the background who have been listening all this time and I just don't know about you? Um, I somehow doubt it, but you never know. Let me know who you are. Oh, I had another sound clip. Here's Sean Thorpe. Hi, Michael. Sean Thorpe here congratulating you on 300 episodes. I know I haven't been listening since the very first one, but I've definitely heard most of them. And I really appreciate that you give time and space over to artists and activists who are doing interesting and important things that maybe aren't always getting a lot of media coverage. So I've learned about a lot of cool people and cool things by listening to your show. And I know that I've got a number of uh, music artists in my library that I heard on Mikey Pod. And I love music and I like to hear new things, so I really appreciate that. So congratulations again. And next stop is 1,000 episodes of Mikey Pod. Looking forward to it. Okay. Okay, I'm down for a thousand episodes. That's just 700 more episodes. No big deal. It took me, uh oh, I'm about to try to do math live. So it took me 15 years to do 300 episodes. So that, so there's 600, 700 episodes left. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> I already gave up. That's a lot of years. If there's 15, so that's 30 for the six, first 600. And then, 45. It's take 45 years. So by then I'll be 96. Cool. All right. 96. When I'm 96, I'll see you with episode 1000. Maybe I could do a little bit more consistency um, until then to bring that down to maybe 94, 93 years old for that 1000th episode. Um, yeah. Where was I? What was I going to talk about after this? Boom. Da, 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 da. Oh, one of the things that happened and how I wound up in New York City has a lot to do with this podcast. Uh, there were a lot of Houston podcasters that I was connected to. And the thing that was interesting about this is that we were connected only by podcasting. So I had friends that did like football podcasts like Chris Daly. Um, and he also did a show called Writing with the Window Down. Um, uh, Russell Holloman did a show about tech and he also started a company that was like a pod catcher. Oh man, I should really remember the name of it because his company sponsored me for a hot minute so I could buy a recorder um, when I got to New York. But, so Chris Daly and I uh, were good friends and we suddenly had this plan to um, get an RV and travel the country and we were going to fund ourselves by podcasting from the van and maybe doing videos as well. But we were going to ask people to tell us to do crazy stuff for a certain amount of money. So they would tell us, like, go, whatever, lick the, I don't know, some part of the Grand Canyon. And and be, we'd be like, okay, that's uh, going to be $100. <laughs> like, so that's how we were going to fund the whole thing. So it started to look like it was really going to happen. And I was a little, it was time for me to move on from Houston. And this was kind of the momentum I needed. Like, I think this was soon after... 
Texas added to the state constitution that gay people were not allowed to get married in Texas, no matter what happened anywhere else. They added, a, they added an actual amendment to the state constitution saying that gay people could not be married. And I was highly, rightfully so upset about this because I contributed to the, to the arts world in Texas. And I just had this feeling of like, oh my God, people are coming to see me music direct a show who also don't want me to have equal rights. So a lot of this sort of thing was happening. My school where I taught was moving to a new location. And suddenly I realized like, oh, being a music teacher in a school is always going to be kind of secondary to other things, <laughs> even and and it, a lot of that stuff happened at the same time and made me like, oh, why don't I try this idea with the RV? Well, I quit my job, made a plan to leave my apartment, and the RV thing fell through. I can't remember exactly what happened. Um, so instead, I decided to go to a commune. It's really called an intentional community called Koinonia Partners in Americus, Georgia. My friend Brent Bay was and she still is the um, the director, executive director. I can't remember her exact title of this place, which is an amazing place that should have more attention. It should be taught more in the history of civil rights in the United States. Um, and you could hear the whole story of the place through the podcast that I did from the place. I interviewed people that lived there. Um, in a nutshell. It was started by a guy named Clarence Jordan, who was a Baptist minister, and he wanted a place where uh, black and white and all kinds of people could come live, work, and worship. It was a Christian place. Uh, it is a Christian place together. And this was right around the civil rights movement. Um, so the community surrounding the place didn't take it too kindly. Um, long story short, um, they almost disbanded. They almost had to shut down. Instead, they started selling their property to the people of color in the in the surrounding area who, who white people wouldn't sell them property. And the whole thing, which I'm not describing very well, became what we now know as Habitat for Humanity. So Habitat for Humanity started at this place. So I spent several months um, working there and living there and experiencing the whole place, which was pretty life-changing for me um, before I went to New York City. And this reminds me, there was a, another life-changing thing that happened or was at least sparked by the podcast. I, in my activist um, exploration in Houston, I heard on the radio that there was a group of people protesting at the Chinese consulate because China was importing um, dog and cat fur as... Um, just fur they it's from my perspective now like it doesn't matter like fur sucks don't wear fur it's shitty to kill animals and wear their skin in this day and age but at the time i wasn't vegan i wasn't even vegetarian um although i did have a little touch of history which i'll mention in a second so i heard on the radio that these protesters were there i was like oh i'm gonna grab my recorder and go interview the protesters. So I'm interviewing these protesters, um, some of whom I know now, and I'm not vegan yet. And um, I start trying to sort of relate with them. And I do this whole thing. You could hear this all on the podcast. I'm not sure what episode it is. You could just search on the website for Chinese consulate, and you know, it'll come up. Um, and I'm trying to be cool and like, oh yeah, like I can relate to what you're doing. And I said, oh, I used to be vegetarian too. And it was three or four women who were kind of like standing around me as I like talked to each one. And they all stopped and looked at me like, what used to be? What happened? And I remember stammering and like, uh, uh, I had no reason because I still believed that animals were not ours to eat, wear or experiment on or use as entertainment, but I just wasn't doing it anymore. So that was another seed that got planted in Houston. When I went to Koinonia, the whole place was based on nonviolence, which was part of what appealed to me about it. And while I was there, it started connecting to me that, that like, because to me, the definition of nonviolence includes animals and I shouldn't be, if I want to be nonviolent, I shouldn't be violent to animals either. So 
I it really I started realizing while I was there talking so much about nonviolence at a place where they ate animals, um, it really, really solidified my veganism, which still took another year or so to like settle in because I was in so much transition, perhaps making a lot of excuses. Um, but that came clear, more clear while I was at Koinonia. Yeah, that's correct. Anyway, so boom, Koinonia, then I moved to New York City, showed up, kept podcasting, and then I met people like Ben Strothman, also known as Honey LeBronx. Here's what Honey slash Ben had to say. Michael Darn Heron, Ben Strothman here, a.k.a. Honey LeBronx, the vegan drag queen. I know, everyone, calm down. Calm down. I know. I know. Anyway, congratulations on your 300th episode. And I think you said what? This is like the 20, 28th anniversary of Mikey Pod? Uh, they built the internet just so you could launch this podcast. Um, I want to say I am so grateful for not only your podcast, but also for you and your work. You know, I shockingly, I don't listen to a lot of music anymore. I, ironically, since discovering podcasts, I kind of only listen to the podcasts nowadays, unless it's something very familiar that I'm going to listen to. Bjork, Cher, Tori Amos, ABBA. Uh, can you tell I'm a homosexual? Um, but it's almost scary for me. New influences, new things, trying new things. Somehow it like threatens me. Like I'm like so scared to try something new. Not because I'm afraid I'm not going to like it. I think it's because I'm afraid I'm going to like it. And I'm going to be afraid that I'm going to have to do it again. And now this is one more thing to make room for in my life. So when I was on the train one day back when I had to take the train because I didn't live in Hell's Kitchen, um, <laughs> I was looking for something to listen to for some music. And I thought, why not just listen to Mikey Pod? Um, I already had it on my phone. I'd listened to a few episodes already. And I thought this is literally just Michael like picking music for me to listen to and telling me something about the artist and often sitting down with them or across the internet, sitting down with them and interviewing them and, and letting us know something about them and their creative process and what they're you know, committed to. And that was really cool for me. It was really eye-opening and it introduced me to a lot of new artists. And um, I also have to say, uh, you've not only introduced me to a lot of artists, but you've also, if, if you can hear the little lisp I have, I have my, uh, <laughs> my, uh, align, my aligners for my teeth. Uh, yeah, and they just caused me to sound a little silly. So I'll avoid the syllabant S's. Um, but you also have just been such a great influence, always bringing new people and new things and ideas into my life. And um, I am the richer for it, especially seeing you do your magic time at uh, Judson Memorial. In fact, way before you did that, you invited me and Daniel over to your little place in Brooklyn, the old place where, where you, you slept on a, on a bunk above your, your computer and recording area back when you had no space to create, but you still made it work. And you invited us over to like listen to this thing that you'd never performed for anyone. And it was this like really raw, vulnerable, personal story that you shared. And I remember like hearing you share this and I'm like, well, first off, it's awesome. And I would totally want to see this on stage, but my God, who can just bear their soul like that warts and all. And, you know, when I saw you do your uh, show at, at Judson Memorial, I, I asked you afterwards, I'm like, I want to do something like this and I'm too scared to talk to Mike Abusey myself about it. Not because of Mike Abusey, just because I'm too scared to commit. And I'm like, I need you to walk me over and make me do this. And had I not done that, had I not gone to see you do your thing, I never... Sorry, that's my phone in the background. I never would have ended up doing my own show at Judson, which turned out to be... I didn't even realize I had written my first play. And... It's 
you know, because of what you did, I was able to do something so bold and so vulnerable and so open. And one of my favorite performers in New York City came to see my show and she said, oh, my God, I'm working on my own one woman show. And after seeing your show, I feel like it gave me so much permission because I didn't realize anyone could be that raw and vulnerable and open on stage. And Michael, I went to see her show and it was the most like brave out there. How can you say that out loud in front of people kind of thing? And my vulnerability and my bravery and my courage and my art made that possible for her. And that was only possible for me because you made it possible. So I just want you to know how much your art and your creativity and your listening to your intuition, how much that is made available for me and for others. And God only knows who else. So congratulations, and here's to another 300 episodes. Oh, Ben, thank you for recording that and for talking about that stuff. I had forgotten about that day that you and Daniel came over and listened to that piece I did. I was so scared. No one had heard the story. Um, if you want to check out the story, people who are listening, it is in my first book, Tentative Armor, which is based on, or is like a, it's the entire score and script from my first solo show, Tentative Armor, which I premiered at Judson Memorial Church and then went on to perform at uh, Dixon Place a couple of times. Uh, but there's a book of it and there's a story in there called uh, When It Will Bloom. And let me tell you, the first time I told that story to anyone was that day that Ben and Daniel came over and it's pretty revealing. Like it doesn't feel as big a deal now to have told that story as it was then to tell people this because no one knew this thing about me. Anyway, shop.michaelheron.com if you want to order a copy of the book and check that story out yourself. Don't you love the way I just interjected and uh, got some self-promotion in there? But I love the whole thing that happened. Like making this podcast was another artist, uh, Madge Weinstein, encouraging me to just do something and then you know that sort of helped me and inspired me to move forward with some other part types of creativity and moving to different parts of the country and and that in turn because i did that helped someone else honey lebronx um so yeah i love that i love the way that that has happened with this show and i want to bring that back in you know i talk to a lot of artists but i feel like now i don't know maybe I could share my experience with having done some of this stuff now so that other people might feel encouraged to do the same. Like there's so much. And even in this pandemic world, we have the internet and that's a way to be creative and share your work with other people. And it doesn't matter if it's just one or two people or don't be put off by the idea that it might just be one other person listening to it. That's your story that you're telling someone else. So anyway, that's enough about all that. What else did I want to tell you about in this little segment here? Um, oh, I love what I just talked about, actually. Um, I should mention, because Honey talked about music, and I, there was a period in there where I turned Mikey Pod into just a music show, and I would play a lot of music. Like, I would play probably 10, 15 songs. And I worked really hard finding music that was um, allowed to be played on a podcast that I could get permission, like small creators. And I met a lot of different musicians. I'm thinking of people like Division Day, who I also interviewed on the show when they were in town, uh, Gavin Castleton. They're just different people. Christopher Willits, these great musicians. Oh my gosh, Eve Beglarian, who I, oh, she's been on the show twice. There's a lot of really cool musicians that I interacted with. And I got to sort of have this kind of like, exchange with them where I learned about their process and it in turn helped me to kind of like move forward in a lot of different ways. So all those artists that have been on this show, thank you. Come on. Oh, I've talked to a lot of people on this show. Oh, come on. I'm feeling really happy about all that. Anyway, so it became a pod safe music show for a while. And then I took a little hiatus and that was while I was writing Tentative Armor and trying to get my head around being a performer. 
Um, but then I still had some interviews in between the music shows, like this one with Lee Hall, who is um, an amazing activist and extremely intelligent person. Lee is one of those people that I'm like, I don't, I, I feel a little insecure about my brain anyway. <laughs> Lee is extremely kind. So it's not anything that's coming from Lee. It's all my own fear. Um, but Lee is in, like a thinker. Anyway, Lee sent me a message too to talk about the show. Well, hello, everybody who's listening to the 300th Michael Heron podcast. 300 Mikey Pod shows. Wow, serious dedication and longevity here. This is Lee Hall, and Mikey interviewed me quite a while back in the series. We talked about hogwash, you know, like greenwash, only it's when corporations that exploit animals for money pretend to give a damn about animal welfare so customers will keep buying what they sell. Let's be real. Going vegan is the only way to respect fellow members of your bio community on Earth, and Michael will back me up on this. Well, friends, this is such an important time to support artists and activists. To Michael and to all of Michael's supporters and future supporters on Patreon, solidarity, love, and liberation. Yes, Lee, I will 100% back you up on that, of course. Uh, thanks for saying that in. And Lee makes an interesting point about Patreon, which I haven't mentioned really in the show yet, and is something that I never would have dreamed was a possibility of having people um, on a monthly basis, subscribing to my work and wanting me to continue doing it. And there's about, right now, 98 people who are subscribed to um, help create this podcast. It, the, these people pay for um, my hosting, for my podcast and my websites, maintenance, a bunch of different stuff. I just upgraded my mic, which I was able to do, like things like that that I want to update my studio for my music or my writing or any of this type of thing that I do feel like having a crew on Patreon is uh, like, un it's unbelievably energizing because it, it allows me to realize, <clears throat> because it allows me to realize, oh, there are people who are interested and want me to do this thing that I'm doing. So of course, yeah, of course, I need to work on backing up my site and that's gonna cost me whatever amount of money. Okay, I do that because I've got people backing me up and people who want to see this thing happen. So thank you, those people. Thank you, Lee, because you are a patron. Some of the people today, John is a patron, Sean is a patron, and uh, Senator Jez, who we're going to hear from later, is a patron. The only person we're hearing from today who isn't a patron is Honey LeBronx, but Honey and I have been patronage patrons of each other, and we support each other's work in other ways. So I, I, it feels funny to be like, well, everyone but Honey LeBronx, but Honey LeBronx and myself, we have an exchange that's entirely outside of Patreon, So, and which is equally valuable. Come on, you guys. This is feeling really fun to do the show like this. I hope those of you that are still listening um, are enjoying it too. It's really fun to talk about this stuff. So I talked about my solo art shows. And then after that, I started getting the podcast rolling again. There was a period of time that I stopped and I didn't really officially say it was a hiatus, but in a lot at the time, it felt like, ah, I'm putting a lot of energy into sharing other people's work when what I really wanted to do was create my own work. And I needed to get my head around how to make that happen. And that's what I did. But once I did that, I started dabbling back in the podcast again and started getting things rolling and having these conversations. And one of the things that was super cool about that process that I realized was that by having people, now that I was a performing artist, I was having different conversations with people. Like I had, I was talking to people about their work as from the standpoint of an audience member. You know, like I was up playing the piano and doing that type of work, but it was always behind the scenes. Um, but I had a different type of conversation with people, which started informing my own work and inspiring collaborations with people. So a case in point, Lauren Mall, who is a musician, a comedian, a host, a witch, a lot of different things. Her, we have the same publicity people for a period of time. And they sent me her stuff saying, oh, she'd be a great guest for your show. So I had her on the show totally fell in love and started going to her shows. And then she invited me to 
perform on one of her shows. I started inviting her on mine. We had a video thing that we did together that I think I might have dropped the ball on now that I think about it. But be that as that may, having this podcast and inviting Lauren to be on it or having her publicity people suggest that she be on whatever, it, 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 it changed me as an artist because I had the conversation with her, which changed me. But then we began collaborating and I saw the types of thing that she did, which inspired me. Now that I think about it, I did a regular show pre-pandemic at Judson Memorial Church. And when that opportunity arose or when the idea arose, I went right to Lauren and said, hey, can we have coffee? I want to talk about how you do your shows. Because I was so scared with everything, I get this like, what if I do a regular show and tell everyone I'm going to do a regular show and nobody comes to the regular show and then I have to keep doing it and then people come because they're embarrassed and they feel sorry for me. That's where my brain goes. Maybe yours says too. Uh, Anyway, um, it's my relationship with Lauren um, as a creator is really valuable to me. Um, I was in her she put her musical on stage and I performed it in her musical. It's just super, super cool. And there's a whole like, uh, uh, a community of artists in New York city that I found a sort of found my way into because of being a podcaster and looking for them because I was like, uh, because I want to have different types of artists. And there's a particular sort of artist that I relate to because we do kind of similar work and it's kind of cool the way we then just continue to lift each other up. So another artist like that, who I've actually been <laughs> collaborating with for a very long time and who I've known for a really long time is um, Aben Crawford, also known as Senator Jez. Um, I got some things to say about this guy, but let's listen to what he had to say about the show first. Wow. 300 episodes. That's amazing. You know, some people are thinking it, everybody's thinking it, but uh, nobody wants to say it, right? But I'll go ahead and say it because I say the hard thing sometimes. 300 episodes. Wow. You're old, dude. I mean, seriously. I mean, you're old. You've become old. (laughs) I'm just joking. I think I got you by a few months there. I think I'm a little bit older than you. Man, looking back to 2004, late 2004, early 2005, we met virtually. Who would have thought, man, now, all these years later, 300 episodes. Wow, man, we've done Moogfest together. Uh, We've done an album together for the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences. We're weaving a web, but 300 episodes. Think of all that time, man. It's pretty cool. It's pretty wild when you think about it. And you've been bringing it, man. You've been bringing it. You've brought a little bit more art and enlightenment to the world. And even though I liked your earlier episodes, I really like the directions that you're taking these days. It really is bringing a little bit more light to the world, a little bit more enlightenment into the artistic sphere. It's all good, man. You've done well. But you don't get to take a rest, man. I want to see 300 more. I think everybody else that listens to you, they want to see that as well. So in closing, man, it's been great all these years. And well done you, sir. You did all right. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Senator Jez signing out. Friends call me Aben. Yeah, Aben, thanks for recording that and sending it in. Thanks to everyone who sent these clips in. I basically was like, hey, uh, I had an idea. Can you do it today? And all of these people did it in one day. So I'm so grateful to everyone that did that. Aben was one of the first really notable podcasters that I knew of. Um, He was in this batch. There was, okay, this is old school podcast talk, but there was a network called Pod Show that Adam Curry, who's one of the inventors, inventor, is that the right word? He like started podcasting with, um, I can't remember the other guy's name. Ah, and I really should, because I think the other guy was the one that really kind of did it, and (laughs) and Adam was the face of it. And as I'm saying that, I should really, I don't know that to be true. But um, 
Adam Curry started a network called Pod Show that Madge was a part of and Aben was a part of with his music show. If I remember correctly, it was called Reaching for Lucidity, which is the name of Aben slash Mr. Uh, Senator Jez's uh, record label. Anyway, um, it was one of those weird things because I was really into podcasting at that time. And this was right, I think I started my podcast right before podcasts showed up in iTunes. I might be wrong on that, but I think I was right before. Um, and in fact, uh, I'm 90% sure because I remember really scrambling and trying to figure out a way to get it posted. And I don't think there were directories or if there were, there were really, you know, just getting started. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what was I about to say to that? Anyway, so to me, like these podcasters that were on Pod Show were like, whoa, these are the famous podcasters. So knowing Aben and realizing that he knew who I was, and that, you know, I think, and I mentioned this, and I talk about it a lot in the show too. I have a super weird perception of myself. So there was a period when I realized, like, oh, wait, <laughs> Aben knows who I am. Like, <laughs> it's really strange. Like, I didn't even, because I had this weird, podcast hierarchy thing in my head which I have not to the same degree still but I guess I kind of do it made I was like wait that famous podcaster guy who's talking to me like <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. it sounds so silly but that's how things work in my head um, so it was exciting to know Aben of course and then we became closer friends and we've collaborated on music together um, and we worked together at Moogfest. That's M-O-O-G. Some people call these synthesizers Moog. I'm pretty sure the correct pronunciation is Moog. Not trying to be pretentious, but I just say Moog and no one knows what I'm talking about. So I just talk too much about that anyway. So, uh, but Aben was doing something at Moogfest, this huge synthesizer festival in North Carolina um, uh, called uh, No Permission Needed Create. And I helped him one year and we had a booth set up where we, it, people could come up and just hop on board and get in Ableton Live and start creating music. And we helped them put this thing together. It was really a cool experience to be a Moog artist for this thing and to work with Aben and to just help other people be creative. I feel like some of that, has, I want this to come into what I do with this podcast as I move forward with it. So what have I left out? Let me look at my little list here. That's it. I think I talked about everything I wanted to. I feel like I have skipped over a lot because 15 years of podcasting, even though this podcast has not been regular. In fact, this is the first period in a while that it's been every week. But I want to take this thing more seriously. And one of the things that kind of inspired this was last week, there was a New York City podcasters meetup that happened on Zoom, of course, um, because we're in a pandemic. Uh, if, the, if you're listening to this from the future, it's, um, what is this? September. I like saying, what is this? As if I don't really know what a month is. It's a month, September 7th, 2020. I think I said that at the beginning of the show. But um, just for point of reference, we're in the COVID-19 pandemic right now. Oh, wow. That's, that'll be interesting. That, that's the thing that's really interesting about this podcast. Like all these episodes stay up. So it's like a little time capsule from all these periods in my life and the surrounding world at the time, um, which becomes really apparent at times like this. Anyway, we had this meetup and it made me realize, oh, this is a real thing that I do. In some ways, when I came back to doing the podcast and as much as I love sharing these interviews... I, in some ways, was thinking of my work, like my books and my music and my shows, as the main thing in podcasts, just being like, oh, that's just the podcast thing I do. And there were maybe five of us in this meetup, and someone mentioned press kits. And my first thought was like, oh, I don't do that for my podcast. And I was like, wait, why don't I do that for my podcast? So with this episode and with my space in podcasting, now I want to start lifting that up and do more effort in treating this, I hate saying this because I've had all these guests and all this time and you've been listening. It's been valid what I've been doing, but I want to stop acting like it's not important, like it's not something other people would care about because this is something important. I, that my point is, I love doing this thing and I love having these conversations that I have and I love sharing them with people. Why wouldn't I work harder to let more people hear it? So that's my little thing. 
And I think I talked about everything. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Do you want to do a podcast? Do you want to do a song? Do you want to do something? Do you want to make something? If you do, do it. And then in 15 years, you could tell everyone about it. Wait, wait, wait. Tell them about it now. But then you could also talk about it in 15 years. And when you do it 300 times or whatever. Anyway, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Listen, John, Sean, Honey, Lee, uh, Avon, thanks for sending in your clips. Thank you, listener, for listening. And, oh, 300 episodes. I'm feeling really excited about what's next to come with this podcast and everything else. The world is really fucked up right now, especially in the United States. Um, We're in a pandemic. Um, We have a narcissistic dick for our president who may become, could have another term, um, which, oh, can you imagine? Like when he became president, I was horrified and terrified and i didn't even then think it could be this bad (sighs) well let's see what happens let's keep podcasting and making music and doing the different things that we do thanks for listening thanks for participating let me hear from you if i never have and next week i'll be back with another interview thanks for really thank you for indulging me in this bit of mikey pod history and um i'll see you next week